0: Discussion came up about Lazarus, and I wanted to go back and reread that story about Lazarus. It's found in John 11, and it's just an amazing story. I ended up uh, in the Bible reading this week. We ended up reading chapter 10, which was right before uh, John 11, and so it gave me a bit of a preview because I through my study, I was studying and focused on chapter 11, but um, chapter 10 kind of led right into it. And In chapter 10, they were talking that uh, Jesus had said that he was the Son of God, and that just really ticked the religious people off. And so they basically told him, get out of town and don't come back or we'll kill you. <laughs> so they kind of uh, threatened him Uh, not to come back, and then we go into John 11, where he starts talking about uh, uh, Lazarus. So I wanted to pick it up in John 11, verse 4. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Glory to God. This is a power-packed chapter, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. So, 11, verse 4. It says, when he heard this, he said, this, it's talking about Jesus, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. So Jesus had prophesied that he, the Son of God, would receive glory through Lazarus' sickness, and that his sickness would not end in death. Jesus honored Mary and Martha's uh, request to come to them. And Jesus always answers our prayers when we call on him. Now, I wanted to look at the disciples' response to Jesus' directions, that they would go to Bethany. (laughs) Uh, Jesus waited another two days. so. it had, altogether, it had been four days until Jesus actually arrived at Bethany. But at this point, Jesus waited another two days to go to Bethany in Judea. So God's timing is not always when we think that it should happen. (laughs) How many times has that happened in your life? (laughs) But it always happens at the perfect time. The disciples reminded Jesus that The people of Judea wanted to stone him when he was there last. Sometimes it doesn't look wise to do what you're being led to do spiritually. When the Holy Spirit is leading you, you have a knowing and a peace on the inside of you that your obedience is required and that uh, no matter what the outcome is, you need to obey. In John 11 verses 9 to 16, I wanted to continue reading in the chapter. It says, Jesus replied, Are there not twelve hours of daylight in every day? You can go through a day without fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world. But you will stumble when the light is not in you, for you'll be walking in the dark. Then Jesus added, "'Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. "'It's time that I go and awaken him.' "'When they heard this, the disciples replied, "'Lord, if he's just fallen asleep, then he'll get better.' "'Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, "'but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. "'Then Jesus made it plain to them, "'Lazarus is dead.' And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust me. Come, let's go and see him. So Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, let's go so that we can die with him. <laughs> so- Uh, Thomas was probably being pessimistic about what would happen to them all when Jesus returned to Bethany because they had threatened to kill him if he returned. The Bible does not state that the other disciples came into agreement with him. Sometimes it's very good not to come into an agreement with a negative statement. (laughs) But uh, they probably did have similar thoughts. (laughs) Lazarus' sisters, I want to think about uh, Lazarus' sisters' response when Jesus finally arrived in Bethany. And I looked up the word Bethany, and I ended up getting confused. There was four different uh, uh, meanings that I ended up finding. Uh, The first... uh, uh, meaning that I found for Bethany, said date house. And I was thinking, oh, okay, well, that could be significant. It's like an appointed time and place. And then as I read the other, <laughs> the other meanings, I thought, no, I guess I, I uh, understood that wrong. <laughs> Bethany in Hebrew means house of figs, uh, symbolizing prosperity. Now, when I looked it up at another source, it said Bethany also means house of affliction. <laughs> so I thought, well, we went from, <laughs> we went from house of figs, <laughs> meaning prosperity, to house of affliction. <laughs> I thought, wow, okay. And then, date house with an appointed time and season, so then, uh, which I thought it meant, and then in the Jewish New Testament, I thought, well, they would know. And Bethany means house of poverty, <laughs> so so I thought, man, it's like all four directions. <laughs> so I mentioned it to Candace when she came upstairs for a break from her work. Anyways, I said, I just don't understand where to go with this because it just, I wanted to know what the meaning of Bethany meant. And she said, Well, she said, the thing is, she said, what you could take away from it is that you are the deciding factor for where you are at. And I thought, (laughs) out of the mouths of babes. you get to determine where you're going to be at that certain place and time. Now, isn't that cool? And it kind of ties all four of those meanings together. (laughs) So anyways, I I thought that was totally a God (laughs) thought that she shared. (laughs) And it was just like off the top of her head. (laughs) So the takeaway is you are the deciding factor, for where you are at, I thought, oh, that was just so cool, totally profound. In John 11 verses 21 to 24, in the Passion translation, I wanted to continue because <laughs> it's just oh, this was good. Then Jesus added, "Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep." Oh, wait, uh, John 11 21 to 24. Sorry. 21. Martha said to Jesus, "Uh, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. She replied, yes, I know he'll rise with everyone else on the resurrection day. And Martha, Jesus said, You don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. So, when you look at that, it's like Martha had gone to meet Jesus and stated that she was sure that if Jesus was there at the right time that Lazarus would have not died. However, she still had hope that he could be raised up. She had future hope. She wasn't in faith. She had future hope. Oh, yes, he's going to rise again at the resurrection. You know, and that's basically where we are, like, 99% of the time. (laughs) We know what's going to happen, Lord. (laughs) You know, what happened today? Oh, my gosh, are you serious? (laughs) It'll happen now? (laughs) You know, so um, uh, she knew that God answered Jesus' prayers. And a lot of times we have more faith in other people's prayers than we have in our own prayers, you know. And especially if it's taking a long time to manifest, you're thinking, okay, what did I do wrong? Am I not walking in love? And you start going down the list of what you did and what you didn't do that could be hindering your prayers. So this is when we need to put our faith in God's Word, And God's word always comes to pass. We can just rest in that. (laughs) And uh, no matter how long it takes, agreement in prayer over a situation builds confidence. Because in Matthew 18, verses 18 to 20 in the King James Version, it says Verily I say unto you that whosoever you shall bind, or whatsoever you shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Again, put your faith in his word because it never returns void but it always accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent. Now, Jesus told Martha that her brother would rise and live. He was again prophesying the end from the beginning. Martha stated her hope, the future tense, that Lazarus would be raised up with everyone on Resurrection Day. And she had uh, lost hope when she saw him die and was buried in the tomb So many times we are led by our senses of what we can see, taste, smell, or feel instead of what we know in our hearts. We see circumstances and lose hope just like Martha did. Thank God that Jesus didn't come into agreement with her. We need to guard what we come into agreement with by a nod of our head. I, I, I am so guilty of that. Oh yeah, because you don't want to hurt the person's feelings, so you just agree and nod, or, or by what we say with them, and it's like, oh my gosh, that was a horrible confession, you know, but, but you don't have the boldness or the nerve to say, you know, to correct them, so you just let it kind of slide. So, anyways, we need to get bolder about that and just gently, in love, correct them. (laughs) Say, no, I'm not coming in agreement with that. Do it kind of comical, so that way then they'll kind of get the message, but it won't be a slap. Jesus gently corrected I've learned how to how to do things funny like Paul does that. It's it's a slap while you're laughing, but it doesn't hurt. Yeah. That's after thirty some odd years of being with Paul. It's finally wearing off. Jesus gently corrected Martha and got her to agree with his words instead. You know, his word had the anointing of God on him to raise Lazarus from the dead. (laughs) After Martha agreed with Jesus, she ran off to let Miriam know that Jesus was there. Miriam ran to meet Jesus at the same geographic place. I found this interesting. Same geographic place that Martha had met him. Her friends who were grieving with her followed her. So you do not realize the impact that your decisions... Your faith and your actions have on others within your sphere of influence. Many will follow your lead. So where are you going? What are you doing? And what are you saying? You know that Martha and Miriam had to come into agreement together in their faith and conversation because Miriam echoed the exact same confession that Martha had stated to Jesus in John 11 Verse 32, so it says in the uh, Passion Translation again, it says, When Miriam finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Miriam's faith was in the exact same place, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, that Martha had been when she found Jesus. So, you remember, you influence others around you. So, be mindful of how you respond to situations in your life. Matthew 18, verses 18 to 20, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, like this just, it's been ground, getting ground into me. So you probably need to hear it again too. That if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So Jesus didn't come into uh, agreement with Miriam's confession either. Instead, he was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion for them. We're going to read again in John 11, and we're going to go from verse 33 to 44 because it just it tells the story in a nutshell. Verse 33. When Jesus looked at Miriam and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, Where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, Look how much he loved Jesus. Yet others said, Isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why can't he do something to keep uh, Lazarus from dying? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, Roll away that stone. Then Martha said, But Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now, his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, Didn't I tell you that if you believe in me, you will see God unveil his power? So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer, for you listen to every word I speak now so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes on. Tightly wrapped around his hands and feet and covering his face, Jesus said to them, unwrap him and loose and let him loose. Now, I want you to realize that Jesus told them to remove the stone and he told them to loose the bandages that were all wrapped around him. Uh, They had to remove the grave clothes. Jesus didn't go and take it off. Jesus only spoke the word and told them to do it. So uh, Jesus gave them the responsibility to set Lazarus free from the stone and the grave clothes. And in John 11, verse 38... Want to just look at that verse again, John eleven thirty eight. Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. When we are spiritually dead, we stink and we are in our funk. <laughs> we are messed up and tangled in our sins and mess, and we are entombed in corruption and in a dark place without God. Jesus went to Judea upon their, their invitation, and Jesus comes to us when we invite him in. His presence was there. The anointing of God was now available to them. Jesus tells us to remove the veil of deception or the barriers and bondages in other people's lives uh, around us by sharing the gospel with them. So that we can enlighten their spirits into seeing God's goodness and his glory be revealed into their lives, Jesus' presence, or you could say his anointing offers salvation and deliverance to people who will receive them into uh, their receive him into their lives g Je- uh, Lazarus was delivered from a natural death through Jesus' resurrection at his tomb and we can receive eternal life and deliverance from the finished work of the cross. In John 8, 12, Jesus saved a woman from being stoned for being caught in adultery by asking her accusers who of them was without sins that they could cast the first stone, and they all walked away. Then Jesus told the woman to go and sin no more, Jesus then said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So I wanted to uh, uh, let you know that as I thought about the story of Lazarus, Gerald, a member of our congregation, came to mind. Because Gerald has been a a member of the congregation for years, and he has had miracle after miracle happen in his life. He reminded me of Lazarus, (laughs) as I thought of him more and more. Uh, God wants to answer your prayers. I asked uh, members of the seniors group, uh, the Walk of Life Ministries, to write testimonies, back probably about six or seven years ago now. it's It was a long time ago. And Gerald sent in this testimony that I'm going to read to you. And he's given me permission to share it with you so that you could be encouraged when you're going through health issues or any storms that try to wear your faith down. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have opportunity, let us do good unto all, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now this is Gerald's testimony. Uh, It is beautiful. (laughs) Here are some scriptures I confess when I'm between, amen, and there it is, when I need my healing. Isaiah three five and 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I was and am healed. I've declared them a few times in my past, after one major heart attack, two silent heart attacks, one stroke, terminal cancer with six months to live. And those are only the times that the doctor says that I should have died guess what? I'm back. I can hear you saying that. I'm back. <laughs> Psalm 91, verse 16. I'm not quite satisfied yet. Oh, I can hear you saying this, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I'll stay around a bit longer. The blessing, healing of the Lord is released by faith. You increase faith by doing Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The best way of hearing is by confessing scriptures yourself. You have to make the conscious decision. I will start believing according to his word. (laughs) When you decide that and begin speaking it, your spirit man rises up and goes into action. Faith is operating and released and healing comes. When faith moves from head knowledge to revelation knowledge, mountains are moved out of the way. Why? Because Matthew 21, 21, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say unto you, If you have faith and do not doubt, you say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. Key words, you must not doubt. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty four. 24, Therefore, I say to you, What things soever you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Keywords: believe first and receive second. <laughs> During times of of adversity, be happy. Like Nehemiah 8:10 says, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Besides, Romans 8:31 says, if God be for us, and we all know he is, <laughs> then who can be against us? That includes the devil. <laughs> John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. But do not stop reading, it also says. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That is why failure is not in our future. <laughs> Defeat is conquered as we confess. 1 Corinthians 15.57 Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Quitting is not an option, and that's not a debate, folks. (laughs) Why? Because Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mark 9.23, all things, that's including healing, right? (laughs) Are possible to him that believes. We are believers, right? (laughs) So healing is possible. I might get knocked down along the way, but Micah 7.8 says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. <laughs> my thinking is, if the devil knocks me down seven times, I need to get back up eight. Besides, Psalm 103 says, Who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle's? We are not old folks, but mature seniors that have been around the woodpile a few more times. Thanks. Have a great day. God loves you. Yeah. <laughs> I read that in um, my faith soared. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought, whoo, what a testimony. That is so cool. And then after this testimony, sometime later, Gerald was... <laughs> I don't know if many of you people know this or not, but Gerald was robbed, kidnapped, bound with duct tape, and put in the trunk of his car. I think it was the trunk of your car or the trunk of their car. Huh? In the back seat. Oh, okay. (laughs) He was put in the back seat. (laughs) So it wasn't, yeah, of his own car. They had a 12-gauge sawed-off shotgun that they pointed in his face. He said that he prayed in tongues the whole time. He was not in fear because he knew that God would deliver him. The kidnappers decided to just let him go after a few hours of trying to, do, <laughs> trying to decide what to do with him. <laughs> God delivered him unharmed. God is no respecter of persons. He can and will deliver you when you call on him. God can turn it all around to your good. Now, another time, we need to write a book, Gerald. I'll have to get your stories from you so, so you can get a book out. Another time, Gerald was on a motorcycle ride with pastors and tribe of Judah when his motorcycle suddenly slowed down and swerved off to the side of the road. Gerald said, Jesus, send down an angel to drive the motorcycle because he had gone totally blind "'while he was riding the motorcycle. "'He kept his hands raised, praising God, "'using his faith that the angel would guide his motorcycle off the road. "'He was in the middle of the line of bikers. "'They found him on the side of the road with his motorcycle from a stroke. "'Pastor Nancy and the others called an ambulance and prayed over him, "'and he came back to life at the hospital. "'When Gerald was dead,' He saw the bright light and walked towards it. When he got up close to him, he believes that he saw Jesus because he saw holes in his hands. Jesus told him that he had to send him back because she was praying for him. See, your prayers count when you are praying for others when you get a thought about someone else, you start praying. That's probably God prompting you on the inside to pray for them, especially if it's someone you haven't seen in years or thought of, and they just come to you out of the blue in your thoughts. Say a prayer over them. James 514 to 16 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There it is in black and white in the Bible. Gerald told me that when... He does not have enough money coming in to cover his expenses because he's been off work for a few months now that he sows and that God has been providing. I've seen Gerald buy people's meals in restaurants as as seed for food and meals to be on his table. He doesn't cook, and he's a bachelor. He knows how to use a microwave. (laughs) For those of you who don't know Gerald, he's a great man of faith. And I wanted to put this little plug in to ladies who are believing God for a husband. Cook meals for Gerald as seed (laughs) for your husband. That is like some fantastic seed. And you get him in agreement with you, man. You'll have a husband in no time. (laughs) I encourage you to sow into this man's life. If you have something that you are believing for, he would make a great two, a great second person to come into agreement with because he is strong in faith. A seed will meet every need. If you need transportation, sow transportation into someone's life. Gerald's not driving right now and is believing God for rides to church and appointments. If you're believing for groceries or bills to be paid, sow into someone's life and, and believe God to meet your need. That's what Gerald's doing daily. He's living by faith. And as he declares, God is faithful to meet all his needs according to his riches and glory, not Gerald's bank account. God will be faithful to meet your needs as you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, because all these other things will be added unto you. And Gerald basically said basically a whole sermon right in his message, his testimony. You can apply those scriptures of God's promises to every scenario of life that you're going through. Healing, believing God for finances, family relationship, restorations, red tape, laws changed, etc. God is on your side, and He's no respecter of persons. What He did for Gerald, He's willing to do for you. God will meet your need when you sow a seed. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca.